My name is Brad Ellis. I'm an assistant professor of education at Concordia University, Wisconsin, in beautiful Mequon, Wisconsin. If you have questions, you can go to my uh, email, brad.alice at cuw.edu. Shoot me an email, and uh, we can chat after the gathering if you'd like. You can also go to my website, bradalice.com. It's designed to help people defend the faith and explain their Christian worldview. You can contact me through that medium as well. You can also read blogs. If you'd like to sign up for the monthly newsletter, you can do that. Down here, uh, there's a sign-up table and uh, flyers and business cards if you'd like that as well. All right? So we're going to take a look at is there a gap in your map, worldviews and the truth. And so the first half, we'll take a look at worldviews in general. The second half, we'll talk about truth, okay? So when it comes to worldview, if I use that word worldview, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You've got your own worldview. There's worldviews that are... Uh, permeating the United States, and, and we're exposed to them all the time, all right? And so on the screen are just some of them. So we're going to break down the basics of a worldview, and then in the second half, we'll talk about truth, all right? So specifically, if you go to a dictionary, what's a worldview? A worldview is the truth claims that explain the world in reality. All right, so that's the dictionary definition. The truth claims that explain the world in reality. And that's the way you have to say it, too, all right? Your voice has to sound very deep and authoritative. Simply put, a worldview is a map, all right? It's a mental map that everyone has that they use to make sense of the world, all right? I'm the map, I'm the map, I'm the map. I'm the map. How many of you understood the cultural reference? Yes, many of you did. Okay. Wouldn't that be cool if you had a backpack that you got here at the gathering and there was a little map in there and it told you where to go, all right? And then when you got to your destination, like, say, the exhibit hall, little animals would come out and go, isn't that cool? Wouldn't that be cool if you were in school and you had that? You had small animals that trumpeted your successful answers, right? Uh, the answer is uh, chromium. Yes. Anyway, uh, you've all got a map. You've got a mental map, a worldview that helps you make sense of the world, all right? And so you can have that map, but you personally may not subscribe to everything that's on the map, all right? So sometimes you, you claim certain things, a certain worldview, but you really don't subscribe to everything in that, all right? And so it's kind of like the picture on the screen. Uh, if you take a look on the screen, turn to a partner. What do you think is happening in this photo? They're lost, right? They're lost, right? So, so the woman's probably saying, I told you to take a left in Albuquerque, all right? And so he's not, he's going, why did I put super glue on my fingers? Think about it. Anyway, uh, so anyway. <sighs> sweaty palms, do 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 sweaty palms, do do That's not how the song goes. Anyway, uh, so long story short, if you've got a worldview, a mental map, and you say, for example, I'm a Christian. People would assume that you, that you follow all the things in a Christian worldview. But here's a fascinating stat. If you poll Christian teenagers today, Christian teenagers, two-thirds don't believe in the devil. Okay? So you're, what you're going to find is there's all sorts of people, there's all sorts of worldviews. We're bombarded by them. And, and then we will at times say, I believe this, I believe that. And we don't personally believe everything that's really in that map. 
And so again, it's kind of stunning. Two-thirds of American Christian teenagers go, I don't believe the devil exists, right? So there's a disconnect there. There's a disconnect between the personal worldview and the formal worldview. The formal worldview of Christianity says, no, Satan exists, right? You can find Old Testament and New Testament references. Jesus talks about the devil. If you have questions about these things, if you need verses, I can give them to you. But you'll find people walking around, and they don't subscribe to everything on the map. So there's a disconnect there. So what do you got to remember? Well, a worldview is like a mental map. It's the truth claims that explain the world in reality. And everybody's got one. So let's just look at the components, right? If you remember area, when you're in a, using a map, it covers an area. A-R-E-A. If you remember that acrostic, this will be easy for you to do. Every worldview starts with an A, assumption. You've got to start with an assumption. Either God is or God ain't. Either God is or God ain't, all right? So if we brought in a, a Muslim and had them talk, they start with the assumption that Allah, God is. Christians start with the assumption that God is. We don't believe the same God, all right? But if we bring in a new ager, they believe God exists, but everything is God. If we bring in a postmodernist, a Marxist, a secular humanist, they start with the assumption there's no God. So you've got to understand this. When you start talking to people, you've got to find out what their starting assumption is. A in area is for assumption. What's the assumption? God is or God ain't? Everybody's got to start somewhere. If you, if you go to a mall and you don't know where you are, you've got to find the map, and then you've got to find where you are to begin. And then you can navigate from that spot. And so that's why it's important to understand the assumption. The R in area is for reality. All worldviews will tell you about reality. Now, Christians... And Muslims believe there's a natural and a supernatural realm. There's a commonality. When you're talking to a Muslim, and you can, you can talk a common language, there's a natural realm, stuff comprised of atoms and molecules, but then there's a supernatural realm too. And so if you would talk to a Muslim and say, do you believe in God? Yes. You don't believe in the same God. They believe in Allah. They don't believe in the Trinity. Do you believe in angels? They'd say yes. Do you believe in demons? Yes. They'd say they're jinn. We get the idea of a genie from that. They believe in heaven and hell. So there's a supernatural realm. But when you'd bring in a Marxist or a secular humanist or a postmodernist, they'd say there's just nature, matter, stuff. There's no supernatural realm. There's just this natural world. So reality for them is just comprised of stuff. There's no supernatural realm. So that's important to understand. Again, when you're talking to people, their mental map navigates with a certain way to explain things, but there's no supernatural component. So if there's a miracle, if there's a demonic possession, and what's fascinating is you can look, listen to cultures, even here in the United States, across the world, they talk about demonic possession, so the reality of it is there, and it fits what our map says. It fits a Christian worldview map. When people go, well, I don't believe that there's a supernatural realm. How do you explain these things? How do you explain the miraculous? How do you explain angelic or demonic activity? And that's a gap in the map, and that's what we're going to talk about later. Next, area, A-R-E-A, assumption, reality, ethics, E for ethics. Every worldview has an ethical stance. It tells you, hey, this is okay, this is not okay. So for Muslims, they'd have the Quran, and they'd say, this is what Allah wants you to do. We've got the Bible. We say, here's what God wants us to do. But what's fascinating in secular humanism, postmodernism, and Marxism, assumption, no God. Reality, just stuff, nature, material stuff. 
And then ethics, there is no moral absolute. There is no God who says this is right, this is wrong. So you decide for yourselves. This room sits around 800 people. So you'd have 800 different ideas of what's right and wrong if it's moral relativism, if there's no moral absolute where God says, thou shalt not, and then fill in the blank, kill, steal, whatever. These are important things to understand because when you're talking to people, you go, that's wrong. Well, how did you determine that? Well, God says in this word, well, I don't believe God exists. Ooh, now how do we talk about right and wrong? Well, it's just what I think. Finally, in area, assumption, reality, ethics, answers, Every worldview's got to have answers to questions, right? What's it all about, Alfie? I'm going to make a CD next. I think you're going to enjoy it. A lot of tunes like that. Toe tappers. So every worldview's got to give answers to basic questions. Origin, where did we come from? Purpose, why are we here? Destiny, what's going to happen when I die? We all think about these things. We all wonder about these things. Sometimes it's late at night when you're having those discussions with your friends, right? And the mask comes off, right? And you start being real with your friends. You just start talking about, yeah, where did we come from? Why are we here? What, what's going to happen when we die? Did you ever think about that stuff? And so we all want to know. And if your map doesn't give you satisfactory answers, you'll find some people crumpling up that mental map going, I'm going to search something else. I'm going to try Marxism. I'm going to try secular humanism. I'm going to try postmodernism. I'm going to try Islam. I'm going to try New Age. If they don't find the map gives them satisfactory answers, they seek answers somewhere else. And that's why it's important to understand, how do you witness in this day and age with all this diversity of thought? you got to know what's the gap in their map. Where is what they believe disconnected from reality? And then offer them the map. Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and life, and the inspired, inerrant word of God. So here's the question to ask people when you're talking to them. And you're getting to know who they are. Hey, what do you believe? What are you into? All right? Is what you believe true? That's the question to ask. The question is not, is that a religion? Is that a philosophy? Is that science? That's not the question to ask. The question is, is what you believe true? The moon's made out of green cheese. The question isn't, is that scientific? The question is, is that true? All right? There is no God. The question is not, is that philosophical? The question is, is that true? That's the question to ask, right? Now, how do you know if something's true? Dictionary definition. Truth fits facts and reality. Truth fits facts and reality. If you go to a dictionary, what is truth? Truth fits facts actuality, reality, logic, that's true, right? So we're in Minneapolis, Minnesota, true? Yeah, okay? So again, it's, it's not hard, you can figure it out. I'm Abraham Lincoln, true? It's not hard, okay? It's not hard. But I was born on February 12th. That's Abraham Lincoln's birthday, so therefore, no, all right, wrong. And thanks for playing. So when people have a worldview, and again, everyone's got one, and it's a mental map. It's the way they navigate the world, right? As they display their map, as they talk about their map, you can test your own and you can test theirs or help them test theirs by just asking some questions, right? Is there any evidence to support that? Here's what you believe. Is there any evidence to support that, right? Take a look on the screen. There's a map of Narnia. 
If you'd like to use that map and navigate on planet Earth, you're welcome to do that. What you'd find is <laughs> it's not going to match reality. <laughs> All right? So you're free to believe whatever you want. That's the, that's the great thing about the United States. You can believe whatever you want, all right? But the reality is, if it doesn't match evidence, have evidence that supports it, hmm, why do you believe that? What's fascinating about Christianity is this. There's so much evidence to support what we believe. We believe by the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's so much evidence to support it. So if you want evidence that Jesus Christ existed, I can show you stuff outside the Bible that he existed. And it's written by Jewish and Roman historians of that first century. And they're not Christian. They're not trying to evangelize anybody. They just talk about the reality of Jesus Christ, that he lived, that he did miracles, that he had followers, that he was crucified, and that he rose, they say, three days later. So when people go, you really believe all this stuff? Yeah, there's evidence to back, what I, back up what I believe. And so you can test a worldview. Is the moon made out of green cheese? No. 50 years ago, July 20th, we're going to celebrate it. Neil Armstrong, first man to step on the moon. It's not made out of green cheese. They brought rocks back, okay? Sorry to burst your bubble, by the way. <laughs> what did you learn today at the gathering? <laughs> the moon's not made out of green cheese. <laughs> Next, how do you test a worldview? If, is, is it something that is logically consistent or is it full of contradictory comments and thoughts? When Buddha was alive, Buddha said, there is no God. Buddha said, there's no God. Now, later, Buddha died. And some of his followers said, Buddha was a God. <laughs> that should be one of those moments where you go, un momento. <laughs> That's Buddhist for, wait a minute, okay? So, <laughs> you go... <laughs> Wait! So, so you got some Buddhists who go, well, Buddha was a god. But Buddha said there's no god. So some other Buddhists are atheists who go, no, Buddha said there's no god. There is no god, right? So there's two different thoughts in Buddhism. Some go, Buddha's a god. Others go, Buddha's not a god. And that's a, a moment where, again, you should just go, wait a minute. That's a contradiction, all right? And so if you've got contradictory thoughts, that's not true, all right? Finally, is this relevant could you even use this worldview map? All right, take a look on the screen. Geography majors, what's missing in this old map of the world? All right, so if you go to the upper left-hand corner of the map, you're missing a lot of North America, specifically Alaska, that kind of stuff, all right? And so there's other parts of the map that are missing. So if you were going to Anchorage <laughs> and you're using this map, well, good luck. It'll only take you so far. So the reality is, here's what you believe. And again, you're free to believe whatever you want. Is it true? Well, how do I measure that? Well, one, is there evidence? Two, are there contradictions? Three, is it even relevant or useful? It just doesn't work. So there's some things to consider. So everyone's got a mental map. It helps them make sense of the world. So let's talk about a biblical map or a Christian worldview, all right? Another way to think about this is lenses. Some people don't use the map analogy. Some people use glasses or a lenses analogy. What's a worldview? Well, it's the lenses through which you see the world, right? So if map isn't floating your boat, try a, a glasses analogy, a lenses analogy. It's a biblical perspective on the world that's informed by the Bible, all right? So if you open up Scripture, here's what you're going to find, right? Jesus talked about some fascinating things, like his purpose for coming to earth, right? So I gave you cross-references. You can check these on your own, right? Luke 19, he was talking to Zacchaeus. There was a man in Jericho called Zacchaeus. There was a man in Jericho called Zacchaeus. Now the Hebrews, they were tall, but Zacchaeus, he was small, 
And the Lord loves Zacchaeus just like them all. I know some of you are waiting for that old Zacchaeus song. Yeah, but I threw some new stuff at you. It's cut two on the CD. All right, so when Jesus is talking to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree because the Lord he wanted to see, right? Not moving too fast, okay? We're only going 55 miles an hour right now. So here's the deal. What does he say to Zacchaeus? He says, dude, all right? In Hebrew, dude. He goes, look, I came to seek and to save the lost. So you hear Jesus' purpose, I came to look for you. Think about it. God's been looking for you too. Right away, when Adam and Eve sinned, they start hiding, and it's so sad. Where are you? Who told you you were naked? Did you eat off the tree I told you not to? God's been looking for us ever since the Bible starts recording what happened in human history. He's looking for Adam and Eve. He's looking for Zacchaeus. He's looking for you. He loves you. He came to seek and to save the lost. That's you, that's me, that's all of us. And then when he's on trial before Pilate, and that's the painting on the screen there, Jesus before Pontius Pilate, there's evidence for Pilate's existence. If you want to know, did he really exist? Yes, there's archaeological, historical evidence that this man existed and he was a nasty dude. He said, Pilate asked Jesus, are you a king? Jesus says, yes, my kingdom's not of this world, and I came to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So when we talk about truth in the second half today, Jesus talked about truth. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one way to be saved. He said in his high priestly prayer, John 17, 17, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Truth fits facts and reality. God made us. We sinned. He's provided a way of salvation through Christ. So Christianity is total truth. Has anyone read the book by Nancy Piercy, Total Truth? Oh, that's a good book, right? Total Truth. If you're looking for someone to read over the summer, Nancy Piercy's Total Truth. She teaches at Houston Baptist University. It's a read, by the way. It's a read, all right? It'll stretch your noodle. But bottom line is, it'll make you think. It'll stretch your noodle. But what it's going to do is help you understand worldviews, right? She's excellent. She Started as a Lutheran, wandered from the Christian faith, tried things, and then came back and realized this is true, right? Great speaker, great author, great professor. So total truth. It's true for anybody, anytime, anywhere, all right? So what's true? Hey, there's no perfect person on the planet. You're not going to find a perfect family, person, business, school, city, nation. Why? Because they're all sinful people. And so you need something that's going to help you navigate this world. And so it is the map, right? I'm the map, I'm the map, I'm the map. Now the Bible is saying that, right? I'm the map with that deep authoritative voice. So what can you do? You can use it to navigate through life. God's provided salvation through Christ so you can make it to your destiny. But in the meantime, how do I live? I am called to love my wife, to love my children. I'm called to work and work hard as if for the Lord and not for men. And so I can go on and on and on. It tells me how to live so I can navigate this life. And it's a map that's for everybody. How wonderful that we can provide it for people. Yet the reality of life is this. Adam and Eve started it, taking God's truth and rejecting it. Did God really say, oh, yeah, we can't eat it and we can't touch it and... Well, you're not going to die, Satan says. Oh, well, okay, I guess we could eat it. And we've been doing what Adam and Eve have done ever since. We take God's truth, we reject it, 
We suppress it. And we even exchange it for a lie. Think about this. We take the truth of God and we go, no, I'm going to take this lie. Hey, our presenter was Abraham Lincoln today. What? No, seriously. That's ridiculous. And yet that's what we do. We take the truth, we discard it, and we exchange it for a lie. So as I mentioned at the start, there's all these different worldviews. There's all these different ideas out there. Christianity, Islam, New Age, secular humanism, Marxism, postmodernism. And we get exposed to all this stuff. Like a sponge, we soak it in because we read stuff, we watch stuff, we're on the internet. And the internet's never wrong. And so as you're looking at stuff, you get exposed to all different ideas. And if you don't watch out for their assumption their thoughts on reality, their ethics, and their answers, you can just buy in to the lie, all right? So what you're going to find in Scripture is God saying, child, I gave you a brain, use it. 2 Corinthians 10, we should take every thought captive. We should take every thought captive, all right? When I'm talking to people, I ask three basic questions. It's not on the screen. It's not on the outline, but here's three basic questions. You can take every thought captive. Number one, what do you mean? What do you mean? Number two, how do you know? How do you know? Number three, what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? Take every thought captive. You hear all sorts of stuff. Instead of soaking it in like a sponge, you go, whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean by that? How do you know that? What if you're wrong? Scripture calls us to test everything. 1 Thessalonians 5. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. If I'm watching it, if I'm reading it, if I'm listening to it, if I'm seeing it on my smartphone, don't just soak it in. Test it. You test it with Scripture. Does that fit a biblical worldview? Okay, good. If it doesn't, you go, I don't believe that. That's how you, you use your brain. And it's hard because we can just disconnect. Amusement is an interesting word. Amusement means without thinking. And really, it's a perfect word for an amusement park, isn't it? It's a, a park without thinking. <laughs> now let's go upside down. <laughs> now let's go really fast. <laughs> but you don't have to think. You just have to experience everything. And God's calling you to take every thought captive, 2 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians, test everything. Use your brain. You get exposed to all sorts of stuff. And if Adam and Eve had done that, things might have been different. Scripture in Colossians 2 says this, we should not be taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophies that depend on human principles rather than Christ. Again, you're exposed to all sorts of stuff. It's not that you cut yourself up. I'm never going to read anything. I'm never going to look at anything. I'm never going to study anything other than the Bible. No, you, you can look at other things. You can study other things. You can be exposed to different ideas, but you test them. You test all things, all right? And don't be taken captive, all right? If not, you will allow the world to just transform you because these other worldviews have things that will cater to your sinful nature. You can do whatever you want. There's no God. There's no consequences. Life's short. Then you die. There's no afterlife. And so after a while, you get exposed to all these different ideas, and you can be blown around by every wind of doctrine. Ephesians talks about that. So as you are exposed to ideas, again, you test them. If you don't, you will be conforming to the world instead of being transformed, like Romans says. 
Why is this important? Well, the world revolves around ideas. It's not money, right? Money doesn't make the world go around. It's ideas. And so ideas make the world go around. Anybody recognize the guy on the screen? Okay. Turn to a partner. Identify that person. Good. All right. So all you history majors, identify Adolf Hitler. If you listen to Nazi ideas, their worldview, it's not a biblical one. And these ideas have consequences. And so it's important to understand, all right? We need to know what we believe, but we also have to understand what other people believe. And that's why it's great to be able to talk to people and be exposed to different ideas. But again, you got to know what you believe in. you got to know why you believe it. If you look at polling today, 70% of people identify as Christian. Now think about this. 70% of Americans identify as Christian, but only 9% answered true to those six basic questions. And notice it wasn't questions on baptism, Lord's Supper, end times. It was pretty elemental. Does Satan exist? Did Jesus live? And so when you got Americans going, I'm a Christian, and they don't believe basic, fundamental Christian doctrine, that's the disconnect I was talking about at the beginning, the formal worldview of Christianity and the personal worldview. And what you're seeing is people, like a, like a, like a buffet line, a smorgasbord, they're just kind of customizing their own belief system. And I believe a little of this, and I believe a little of that, and I don't believe that, even though I know that's what the Bible says. I don't believe that. Oh, okay. Take a look at the bottom of the screen there. Less than 1% of 18 to 23-year-olds had a biblical worldview answering true to all six of those uh, questions uh, 10 years ago when Barna gave this out. Folks, it ain't getting better. And that's why it's important for you to understand a worldview and to understand how to talk to people. And the best way to do that is to identify the gap in the map, all right? There's a lot of skepticism. There's a lot of skepticism. Ken Ham and Britt Beamer polled people who were in their 20s who no longer believed in Christianity. They have wandered from the faith. And they asked them, well, when did you first start doubting the Bible? Look at the stats on when they first started the, doubting the Bible. 4% in elementary school. 40% in middle school. 44% in high school. And then 11% in college. The, the myth out there is when people go to college, those professors ruin kids' faith. And the reality is, they're already gone. They've already lost their faith, right? 88% of those people had already lost the faith before they set foot on the college campus. And that's why if you have questions, and everybody does, it's okay. Does God exist? Is the Bible true? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Whatever it is, what a great opportunity we have over the gathering to get those questions answered. Because these are the things everybody wants to know. Is this true? Because there's this worldview that we have and we're taught it from little on. Is it true? That's a good question. So now's a great opportunity to talk with your small group, to talk with your pastor, your youth counselor, people that are here speaking. They'd love to help you if you've got questions. Because there are souls at stake. We're not just talking about what we as a culture have as far as our institutions, we're talking about individual souls, the people who live, that we work with, go to school with, live next door to. That's what's on the line. Paul, if you read Acts, he goes to Athens ahead of his evangelism team. 
And he gets there, and there's all sorts of people there, and they've got all these different gods and goddesses, and then they've got one statue, and it's to an unknown god. And Paul says to these people in Athens, man, I can see you're really religious. I'd like to talk to you now. And it says, he reasoned with them every day in the marketplace, and he'd go to the synagogue as well, and he would talk to the people. Because he had a heart for the lost. He, he realized there's people navigating with a map that's wrong. And they're going to get lost. And they're not going to make it to heaven. I've got the map. And I've got the way, the truth, and life in Christ. And so he said, look, you're really religious. That's cool. Let me show you the way, the truth, and the life. It's important for us to do that, right? So here's the key. In this day and age, we have all these different mental maps that are going on around next to you. The best way to witness today is not going door to door. Hi, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior and Lord? Bam! (laughs) Sorry. You can do that. I've done it. You can go door to door. But the best way is to develop relationships with people, get to know them, talk to them, and eventually work conversations towards religious things. Now, as you're doing that, help them see, here's what you believe, here's your formal map, but it doesn't match reality. There's a gap in your map. You believe that, but that's not what we see. Let me give an example. This is from the internet. Atheism, the belief that there was nothing, and nothing happened to nothing, and then nothing magically exploded for no reason, creating everything, and then a bunch of everything magically rearranged itself for no reason whatsoever into self-replicating bits, which then turned into dinosaurs. Makes perfect sense. So here's the deal. When you have people say, there's no God, a assumption. There's just matter, reality. You go, okay, so you believe that there was a ball of matter that exploded 14 billion years ago, and after 14 billion years, things started to cool down, the hot gases started to cool down and form suns, moon, stars, and green clovers. And so the universe became magically delicious over those 14 billion years. Is that what you're saying? So on the screen, it says, and the key is in the middle of that. Take a look at it. Everything magically rearranged itself for no reason whatsoever. That's the key. Here's what you believe, but that's not what we see. So what you could do is go, well, here's why I don't believe that. And instead of quoting Scripture, so here's what you and I do. Don't lead with Scripture. You're going to bring Scripture to the table, but not at the beginning. Do this. Here's why I don't believe this, that there was a ball of matter that exploded 14 billion years ago, cooled down, formed suns, moon, stars. Here's why. That's violating first law or second law of thermodynamics, the law of entropy. Things move towards decay. Things don't move from disorder to order. They move from order to disorder. Okay? If you have any questions about that, look at your bedroom. Okay? So... <laughs> All right? So if you, things move towards decay, all right? I used to have a luxurious head of hair, and the key word's luxurious, all right? So you, you get older, you decay, all right? Things break down, all right? And so this is scientific fact. It's true. Facts fit, or the truth fits facts and reality. And so I don't think things magically rearrange themselves. That violates a scientific law. Then you could bust out Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, why would you not lead with Scripture? Here's why. When you listen to polling organizations like Barna or Pew or Gallup, here's what they'll tell you. One-third of Americans believe the Bible is inspired and errant word of God. Only one-third. 
Two-thirds do not. So when you lead with Scripture, well, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Two-thirds of Americans go, Pfft. So it'd be smarter for you to find out what do you believe, okay, and then, ooh, the, well, here's the gap in your map if you believe that, all right? Things cannot arrange themselves. That violates the laws of science. Every worldview except Christianity says, we're basically good. Christianity is the only worldview that says, you, know, you don't want to know what the nature of man is? The nature of human beings is fallen, sinful. We are the only ones who teach that. Islam teaches this. Adam sinned. Allah forgave him right away. We are not sinful by nature. We're the only ones saying, if you want to know what the problem in the world is, look in the mirror. Well, it's those people. It's those people. It's the No, it's us, all of us. And so once you understand that, here, here's how I do it. If I want to show per, per, uh, people a gap in their map, we're talking about the nature of people. I think people are basically good. Do you? Okay. I got a question for you. Do you lock your door at night? So here's what I'll do. I'll go, you think we're basically good. Do you lock your door at night? And they'll go, yeah. And they'll go, why? Why, why do you lock your door at night? You shouldn't lock your door at night. We're basically good. You have nothing to fear. Help them see the disconnect. What you believe does not match reality. This is reality. And you see it every day on the news, in the newspaper, on your smartphone, whatever, right? Missionaries, if they're going to go somewhere, they've got to understand the culture. They've got to understand the people. This is how they live. This is how they think. And so you've got to understand now, not just Christianity, but all these different maps that people are using, right? And that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, to the Jews, I've become like a Jew. To the Greeks, I've become like a Greek. I've become like all things to all people so I could by all means save some. Now, again, he knows by the power of the Holy Spirit people are saved. Paul doesn't save anybody. But the idea is, look, I want to know where people are coming from so I can talk to them and I can share Jesus Christ. Robbie Zacharias, great Christian defender of the faith, an apologist, a Christian apologist, someone who defends the faith. He says it like this. You know what the key is to this time? Understanding what we believe and also understanding what other people believe, all right? Big thing to understand, all right? Now, let's talk about truth. Let's talk about truth in our second half here, all right? This happened to me years and years ago when I taught at Milwaukee Lutheran High School. I had a graduate who went off to a state school in Wisconsin, all right? And as she was in Wisconsin going to the state school, uh, the resident assistant, the RA, said, hey, girls, on our dorm floor, we're going to meet all these uh, other ladies on the floor here, and we're going to do that by providing you paint and brushes, and you can paint on the outside area of your dorm door anything that you like. Express yourself and get to know the other girls on the floor. So our Milwaukee Lutheran graduates holding a paintbrush in her hand trying to figure out what to do, and she looks down the hallway, and here's what she sees. She sees one girl painting like a jungle scene around her door and another girl painting these big like Easter Island heads, all right? Another girl painting Care Bears and all that kind of fun stuff. And another girl painting satanic symbols. Oh, I'm sure we're going to be good friends. Ah. So she's sitting there and she doesn't know what to do, all right? And then... She knows what to do. She grabs a pencil and she starts drawing a hill with three crosses on it and a stone rolled away from an empty tomb. The resident assistant walks over to her and says, you can't paint that. 
So as this graduate of ours emailed me, she said, Mr. Alice, what should I do? I, I, these girls are painting all this different stuff. We're supposed to express ourselves, get to know, know the other girls on the dorm floor. So I just started painting the, the resurrection scene from Easter. And I was told I can't do that. And I said, well, here's what you got to remember. Number one, God's calling you to witness, so you can do that. Second, you're an American citizen who has freedom of speech, and they have given you the right to express yourself and meet the other girls. So as long as you're not throwing paint at the other girls and sticking them in the eye with your paintbrush, you're not doing anything wrong, right? They're expressing their, themselves. You're expressing yourself. You're free to do that, all right? Why am I telling you this story? you got to understand the time in which you live and what's going on. And it really boils down to this postmodern age. If you've heard the expression postmodernism, raise your hand. All right, cool. Now, how many of you understand it? Yeah, exactly. All right. So I first taught for three years in Texas, all right, 32 years ago. I first taught in Texas for three years. Then I went to Milwaukee Lutheran, my alma mater, and taught there for 25 years. And the first year at Milwaukee Lutheran, there was a teacher there saying, well, of course, we're living in a postmodern age. And I didn't know what he was talking about. And I was like, yes, that's highly significant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I just bluffed my way through that meeting. <laughs> and then I had to go find out what postmodernism is. So I just looked it up on the internet. Anyway, so uh, what's postmodernism? Let me just give you some basics. In postmodernism, the claim is there's no capital T truth. So total truth, absolute truth, is what we believe, and in postmodernism, there's no capital T truth. That's the sound truth makes, by the way. All right. So if you speak truth to someone today, I'm eating a ham sandwich. All right. That's that's the sound that everyone will hear. All right. Now, in postmodernism, notice on the screen, there's a small t truth. In postmodernism, there's just a small t truth. If you take your two index fingers, those are the pointer fingers, and if you make a small t. Go ahead and do it. It's not going to hurt you. All right. There you go. All right. So everyone's got, got a small T. Again, we got about 800 seats in here. If there's 800 people, there's 800 truths. There is no, oh, there's just. It's important for you to understand this. What is life then? Life is just one person's interpretation after another because there's no absolute truth. Everything's valid. Everything's true. And that leads to some very interesting things. So I'm just going to give you a little smattering of what you and I now live with. This concept of postmodernism is new. It's only about 50 years old in the history of human thought. The rejection of truth is new. It's really from the 1960s on. But now we're living with 50 years of this, and this is what you see. So I'm Bruce Jenner, and I'm now... Caitlyn Jenner. Rachel Dolezal, what's her truth? Raise your hand if you know what her truth is. She identifies as black. Her parents finally said, no, no, she's white, and here's her birth certificate from her white parents. I don't know if you heard about this man a little while ago, Emil Rattelband from Europe. He says, I am 69 years old. He is petitioning to get his age changed Minus 20, so he can be 49. He identifies as younger, not 69, but 49. Google had a diversity seminar for its employees. There were presenters who said, I identify as a dragon. I identify as a building. 
Never before in human thought have you lived with this, where now you have people saying things that do not match reality. And so you have to understand this when you're talking to people. Well, what's their map? It's a postmodern map. It's not a Christian map. And so the reality is, well, you're this age because you were born at this time and you've been around the sun so many times, so that's how we mark years, okay? And you're not a building, you're not an animal. You're a human being. Plurals go, no, I'm an animal, I'm an alien, I'm a vampire, I'm an object, all right? Next, in postmodernism, besides there's no truth, there's really no meaning to things. We construct meaning. We bring meaning to things. Instead of pulling out the meaning, George Washington was our first president. George Washington's the subject. Was is the verb. It's past tense. Our is a uh, pronoun, possessive, plural, first, adjective, uh, primary in position, president is a leader of a country. Y your brain just deciphers all that and pulls out the meaning. Now it's, well, that can mean different things to different people. <laughs> what? So now if you're told that's wrong, you're, you're oppressing me with your truth, you're forcing your truth on me, that's the reply when people don't like to hear what you have to say. That's wrong. That's not right. Oh, no, don't impress me with that, all right? Because it's only the people in power that have told us that. It's only those who are in the majority who have told us that, all right? Let me give you some examples of this. College of William and Mary had a chapel that had a cross in it. There were people offended by the cross, so administrators took the cross out of the chapel. No classes are held in the chapel. It's just a chapel. What's fascinating is people were offended by the cross. Well, you Christians say that you have the truth and everyone else is wrong, so we don't want that cross in here. That, by the way, is what the RA told my former student when she was trying to paint around her dorm door. Well, see, you Christians say that you're, you have the truth, and that's intolerant. Shouldn't you tolerate my intolerance? Next, is it a Christmas tree or is it a holiday tree? All right. So when you have this discussion near Thanksgiving, after Thanksgiving heading in towards Christmas, it's fascinating. Hanukkah doesn't have a tree. Kwanzaa doesn't have a tree. It's a Christmas tree. But because that's an offensive term to some people, we, we change it. Well, it's a holiday tree. Around 9-11, there are some campuses in the United States that limit the amount of American flags that are put out. They don't want too much patriotism. They don't want people who are foreign students on campus to feel intimidated by the presence of too much red, white, and blue. I don't know if you've ever seen a map like this. Went to a multicultural workshop once where they had a map set up that was upside down. And they said, we always think of north being up and south being down. And if you're down, we normally have connotations that that's bad. So what if North America wasn't up? What if North America was down? Does that change your perspective on who you are? And as I said in the meeting, I, I, I said, well, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I'm in the southern part of the state, so I'm down there. But I don't feel bad about my geographic location on the planet. 
But I understood what they were saying. It was just an interesting, different way to look at things, all right? So understand, here's what's going on when people make these claims, all right? There is no truth. That's a truth statement, all right? So I love in, in Total Truth by, uh, by Nancy Piercy, she says, when postmodernists speak, they, they shoot themselves right in the foot when they start talking because they, they speak in contradictory terms. There's no truth. That's a truth statement. <laughs> so there is truth, right? And then if everything's just an interpretation, why should I agree with you? If everything's open to interpretation, okay, I've got my interpretation, and I'm following a biblical worldview, and that's okay, right? But what you're seeing today is, no, that's oppressive. Your Christian worldview is the problem in the world. And you go, uh, wait a minute, uh, there's other problems in the world, and it's not due to Christianity, it's because we're sinful people. So it's important to understand that, all right? These consequences are far-reaching. Again, it's only from the 1960s on that we've experienced this, all right? The first change in culture when we've said truth doesn't exist. It's caused an, an epistemological shift. <laughs> now, you've got to bust that out in conversation today. Well, of course, that's an epistemological shift. You do and you clean it up. You, you kiss your mother with that mouth? Epistemology? What are you talking about? Epistemology is a branch of philosophy that deals with knowledge and the source of truth. So it's the first time in human history we've said, there's no, ah, huh. And this is key. Now, all you do is look who is talking, and then you don't refute what they're saying with logic, you just situate the conversation. And it could sound something like this. That's true for you. It's just not true for me. That's true for you. It's just not true for me. Or you just say that because you're white. You just say that because you're black. You just say that because you're a man. You just say that because you're a woman. You just say that because you're a Christian. You just say that because you're Muslim. C.S. Lewis, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, right? Okay, C.S. Lewis, this professor, writer, talked about a boy learning to deal with debates and argumentation that way. He said, imagine a boy named Bulver is listening to mom and dad argue in the kitchen. And mom and dad are going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And as Bulver's listening to the argument, he hears mom say, you just say that because you're a man. And everything shuts down. And Bulver goes, aha. That's how you deal with arguments. You don't. You just situate who the speaker is. You just say that because you're white. You just say that because you're black. You just say that because you're male. You just say that because you're female. You just say that because you're American. You just say that because you're Mexican. And so you don't deal with the substance of it any longer. Never before in human history have we lived with this, but now we're knee-deep in it. It's been the last 50 years. Why? Remember, there's all these small t truths. There's all these small t truths. So in the old definition of tolerance, you would understand what someone believes, and you'd go, okay, I understand what you believe, but I don't believe that myself. And you live and let live, all right? You believe the moon's made out of green cheese? Okay, fine, okay, I don't believe that, but if you want to, you can, all right? Now, the small t truth definition means everyone's right, no one's wrong, and you can't say that someone's wrong. Take a look on the screen. Can you imagine driving and seeing that sign? 
<laughs> I'd get off that street as soon as possible, all right? And so when everyone's right and no one's wrong, the cardinal sin in this day and age is to say, you're wrong. <gasps> you're trying to oppress me with your truth, all right? You can't do that. You need sensitivity training. You need to understand everyone's truths are viable. So I go, I'm Abraham Lincoln. And I'm seven years old. Or no, I'm 65 years old and I'm retiring. Good night, everyone. So if you say things that people don't like, now it's defined as harassment. Well, they were harassing me. Did they stalk you? Did they threaten your life? Well, no, I just didn't like what they were saying. It offended me. I hate to break this to you. There is no right in this country not to be offended. All right? That's the reality, and that's one of the blessings of living in a country with free speech. I don't like something. I believe this. I believe that. You're free to say that. And people can say, I disagree with you, and people can say, I don't think that way, and people can say, yeah, I'm on, I'm on that same page with you. That's the blessing of living in a free country. But now it's, oh, you can't say that. And that's why this is such a huge issue. You're losing freedom of speech. And as you lose that freedom of speech, you lose the opportunity then to preach the gospel. And Christians have to stand up. You have the freedom in Christ. You're forgiven, but you also have the freedom in this country to speak the truth in love. In our last couple of minutes, I've decided that I'm going to work on my cup stacking skills. And No, I'm just joking. So last couple of things. Please understand, you now have Christians who have absorbed postmodern thinking. And so now you have Christians, some Christians who are postmodern Christians, or some people call them the emergent church, where they'll say, look, there's no truth anymore. So when we talk to people, all we should do is talk to them. We shouldn't convert them. So conversations, not conversions, is what we should be about. Huh. So what you'll find is you'll have Christians, again, the formal worldview map of Christianity has certain doctrines that it espouses. They personally don't subscribe to these. So look at these basic doctrines that are in question to emergent Christians or postmodern Christians. Is the Bible inspired truth of God? Was Jesus even God? Are humans sinful? Is Jesus the only way that you can be saved? Did Jesus die to save us, or did he just show us that sometimes you got to suffer for what you believe in? Is hell even real? Or maybe people will just be annihilated. They'll just cease to exist. Or maybe God's just going to save everybody, and hell is not real, and no one's going there. God's, God wins, and everyone is saved. Hmm. So it's important, as we head towards the, the closing stretch here of our thoughts, to continue to grow in your faith. So if you got a Christian school that you attend, praise the Lord. But if you got youth group, you got Bible studies, please take advantage of this. It shares a biblical worldview, or should. But if you go to a Christian school, you could have all these other disciplines and activities have a biblical worldview. If you don't have that, understand that it's important to think biblically. I love this quote from George Barna. Take a look at it. The vast majority of Christians do not behave differently because they don't think differently. And they don't think differently because we have not trained them, equipped them, or held them accountable to do so. Youth leaders in the room, please look at that quote. 
we need to equip our kids to understand the time in which we live and to help them think differently, think biblically, but also understand the world around them and what they're exposed to. So last couple of things. Keep your relationship with the Lord, number one. Keep growing in your faith. That's vital. Next, there's so much more to learn. Has anyone seen on the screen this video series, The Truth Project? All right, outstanding, yeah. It's 12 one-hour videos, and it will really make you think, but it's an outstanding series. And so there's all sorts of resources. Again, if you want names of books, magazines, articles, videos, whatever, I'd love to help you out. Shoot me an email. Talk to me later. There's all sorts of stuff. When you get curriculum leaders in here, make sure that you've got this information that holds up the Bible as the authoritative word of God that deals with questions that kids have, because we all have them. And developmentally, it's natural at this stage as we look at the, the uh, social, emotional development of, of kids, the psychological development of kids, that they go through this doubting stage. That's natural and normal. The curriculum that you have, help it connect to reality. So show them, here's Jericho where Jesus met Zacchaeus, that wee little man, right? This is not set in Narnia, it's set on planet Earth. Here's where this event took place, all right? This should be applicable, relevant, useful information that you share. And again, it should uphold God's inspired and errant word, all right? Keep doing what you're doing. You got Bible study, you got prayer group, you got fellowship, you got worship, all that kind of good stuff. But you also got to help kids know what they believe and why. Defending the faith or apologetics is huge, right? It's not, well, I just believe it. Because anybody can do that. I believe the Bible or the moon's made out of green cheese. I just believe it. Well, okay, is there any evidence for that? No? Well, okay then. Understand also what these other worldviews are. So if you need information, again, I can give you books and, and, and websites that you can check out, that you can learn more about this. I love 1 Chronicles 12.32. King David comes to the throne. All the tribes send leaders to help David. The only tribe that gets this special description is men from the tribe of Issachar. In 1 Chronicles 12.32, it says 200 men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. It's this great little passage just tucked into the middle of a book that nobody really reads, right? Well, these 200 guys understood the times. They knew what Israel should do. And for David, maybe it was, David, we need to dig wells. There's been a drought. Or maybe it's David, the Philistines seem to be gathering for war on the border. Maybe we ought to fortify that area of our country. Whatever it was, they understood the times. They knew what Israel should do. Are you people who understand the times and know what to do? All right? Answer people's questions. It's natural and normal. It's part of area. Assumption, reality, ethics, answers. Everybody wants to know where do we come from, why are we here, what happens when we die. It's not that they're spawns of hell that they're asking these questions. It's just everybody wants to know. So you've got to have that answer and be able to give it to them, all right? That's huge. My life verse is 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, all right? Always be prepared. Always be ready to answer people's questions. And then live your faith. Walk the talk. When you listen to Generation Z, those born from 1999 to 2015, Barna has polled them. They have double the amount of atheists in any previous generation. Generation Z. Those who are in the teen years now of Generation Z, 13%, double the normal adult population, identify as atheist. And one of their biggest reasons for not believing in Christianity is they go, I see so much hypocrisy. 
Why would I want to be a Christian? Christ hasn't changed your life. So that's why you and I have got to walk the talk. Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit and bring you praise and glory. Finally, understand in the end that you're not going to save anybody. God the Holy Spirit does. And Paul talks about this in 2 Timothy. He says, God will grant these people repentance, a change of their mind, and lead them to a knowledge of the truth, the truth that fits facts and reality. We're all sinners in a need of a Savior, and God's word is the way, the truth, and the life.